G'day and welcome to Pello Talk. I'm Dave Pello, and uh, look, a very special broadcast today, and that's because we've got the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk, or as I affectionately call her, Nanastasia Palaszczuk, uh, because she's such a great leader of a nanny state, um, has announced that she's going to be very generous and give Queenslanders back some of the freedoms she's taken away. She's going to let some of us out of prison, but only those of us who earn our freedom. Uh, she's a very great leader that way. Let's have a look at uh, what she has said. Strict bans for COVID-19 unvaxxed, designed to lift the Queensland job rate, and that's in the Australian newspaper. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole article. Uh, let's skip down to her tweet announcing it. She says, fully vaccinated Queenslanders will be rewarded to keep our freedoms. Lucky us. From 17th of December or when we reach the COVID 80% double-dosed milestone. So that's going to be fantastic. Uh, we had federal LNP Senator Susan McDonald savaging the, uh, the generosity of our dear leader, saying that the public health orders were nonsensical and would create a nightmare for business owners and their staff. She fails to understand how unvaccinated and vaccinated are allowed to cram into a train carriage or a bus but can't mingle in a pub. She's spoken to many business owners who are worried about trying to control entry based on vaccination status. Well, one such of those business owners is Philip DeBella, and uh, he released a video on... Uh, on the, his LinkedIn page this morning. Greetings, everyone. You notice that I've been very quiet around the COVID thing. And I was, as I promised um, about a month ago, in the world where there's so much noise, the uh, if you can't improve on the silence, don't speak. Um, and up until now, well, something I posed to you. There's talk about December 17, Queensland. It's going to be mandatory before you're allowed to go into a pub, club or cafe or restaurant. Just to, uh, just to clarify for everyone, um, I should have introduced him a bit better. Phil DeBella is the founder and uh, founder of um, DeBella Coffee uh, and uh, a very great Queensland entrepreneur. Uh, he sold it um, some years ago for uh, nearly $50 million, so not a small uh, business at all. Uh, he's certainly well qualified to, to speak to the, uh, to the business community, but let's uh, just keep listening what he had to say about that. It's going to be mandatory for you to have the vaccine. Um, what does this world come to? Is this something that we're prepared to let happen, is it? You as an individual, um, your human rights, everyone fought for human rights. Everyone talked about their rights, their, their human rights. We signed up to treaties around the world. Uh, forget about the vaccine. It's not about vaccine or not vaccine. It's about mandating something that takes away freedoms of people if they don't comply and comply into something that's been let alone rushed through um, and not followed its proper processes. But yeah, it's been, you know, now being pushed to people that there's a chance that it's going to be mandated and compulsory for you to be vaccinated or you're not allowed into a venue. Won't be happening in my venue, I can assure you. The coffee commune will not Come discriminate. You want to be vaccinated, you be vaccinated. You don't, you don't. You take the health precautions that you need for yourself. But if this is a standard that humans um, in this state, in this country, in this world, want to allow pass and I really question where humans have really taken their thinking and their morale. Uh, when people have gone to war, um, lost lives, trillions of dollars spent, all on protecting someone's rights uh, and their human rights. And now we're happy to let politicians just do this. I don't stand for it. It's not something that I believe in. And again, this is not a post about vaccines or not vaccines. This is about human rights. This is about dictatorship. This is about being dictated to or not being dictated to. And I'll leave you with this. The standard you walk past is the standard you accept. And is this something that you're prepared to accept? Because God knows what's coming if you are. Remember this, politicians work for the people. And if you support them mandating something like this, that you have your human rights taken away on where you can eat, where you can drink, where you can associate, where you can go, based on whether you are vaccinated or not, then you've got rocks in your head and this country has gone mad. And as I've said, you don't know whether I'm vaccinated or not vaccinated because it doesn't matter. It is still a human rights discussion. Think about it because the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Come on, Phil. That's awesome. Well, he went on and uh, then the Courier-Mail decided to write a headline, Coffee King, Philip DeBella, to defy mandate banning unvaccinated people from Queensland venues. Uh, no, not true. That's not actually true 
at all. Uh, I spoke to Phil a little while ago, and he is uh, a statement that he sent the good source, Hello Talk, um, which I believe the Courier Mail and maybe, maybe some of the television shows, uh, television news will be covering tonight. Uh, but his position is that everyone should be vaccinated when they believe the time is right for them. That might have been 12 months ago, right now, or it may be in 12 months' time, a long time from now when people feel they know more. However, he personally believes people should not be ostracised for it and certainly not discriminated against. The Coffee Commune, that's his uh, new business, coffee business uh, for baristas and uh, you know connoisseurs of coffee in the inner city, uh, will abide by any past legislation, not defy. But that doesn't mean we will be resourced to police it. And as always, the Coffee Commune will be an authority for its members to ensure they know and understand what the legislation means for them. We pride ourselves on providing a safe, accepting place of work, and nothing will change about that, said Phil DeBella. Many businesses have struggled through this entire pandemic, and most are now left with the sole choice to accept this government regulation just to make a living. It's Phil's personal opinion that this is simply another huge blow for these businesses and an unprecedented overreach by the government. Business owners should have the right to accept who can enter their businesses because they are the ones who carry the financial and personal risks of operating their businesses. Again, business owners shouldn't be discriminated against for their choice. This is not about vaccines at all. This is an issue of businesses being dictated to and not knowing where it will end. Allow people to make their own choices. And he repeats, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Uh, that is 100% true, and I super appreciate uh, Phil DeBella for making that stand. And it's an important stand. There should be no business in Australia, in Queensland, or in any freedom-loving nation which discriminates against people for the medical decisions that they've made. And we see this politic completely dividing Australia right now. I have seen members of families attacking each other publicly and calling them fools for personal medical decisions they've made, possibly taking it, possibly abstaining from it. Whose business is it? This is utter destruction of society by government. Well, somebody who knows what it's like, the, the weight on the shoulders to run a state and to uh, you know, know where the power should stop and the responsibility for safety of, of others begin and end is uh, former Queensland Premier Campbell Newman, and he joins me right now. Campbell, thank you so much for joining me on Pillow Talk today. Uh, we just make sure we add you to the technology there. Gotcha. Great to be with you again, Dave. Thanks for having me. So uh, I guess we need to identify, first of all, your former LNP Queensland Premier, which everybody should know. Um, and I think the margin of, of support you enjoyed at the Queensland election where you lost um, your seat and government is actually more popularity than either opposition leader or Anastasia Palaszczuk enjoys right now. Uh, but you're also now running for the federal Senate as a candidate for the Liberal Democrats Congratulations, and um, I'm personally really happy to see the chance of uh, a strong um, federal crossbench. Uh, let's just start with a broad overview. Um, what are the political philosophies of the Liberal Democrats and how are they different from the uh, LNP or the federal um, coalition? Well, Dave, um, the Liberal Democrats are not a, a right-wing party. Uh, that's just lazy journalism when people say that. Basically, it's probably a bit of a, an old label. Here's where we stand. Uh, if you're talking about the role of government, we believe in small government. We believe in fiscal responsibility, balanced budgets, keeping debt low under control and you know, low and fair taxes. Uh, we believe in personal responsibility. We believe in people having the ability to um, create a business, employ people, uh, grow that business, uh, be rewarded by the profits from that business, having taken risks, and also uh, being able to build personal wealth for them and their families. So, so we do believe in um, free enterprise and and the right of the individual to 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 uh, grow grow themselves and their business. When it comes to social issues, though, uh, it very much we come from the point of view that my business is my business, 
So whether I'm cho- I choose to get vaccinated or not is my choice. Mm. And it's not for me to impose my values on other people as long as they, those other people in living their lives are not affecting me. So, for example, on those social issues, we, we are libertarian. We believe in the individual's right to live their life as they please. So you know, back 10 years ago, uh, when I was the leader of the opposition in Queensland, I backed gay marriage um, well before many people in the Labor Party, like Penny Wong, would even dare to do that publicly. Yep. Uh, it sounds silly. It was only 10 years ago. Um, I believe uh, in drug law reform and I've supported voluntary assisted dying in this state. So, you know, that's that's where we're coming from. So it's an interesting mix. Um, it's not right wing. It's not hard right. It's not conservative. It's actually in many ways quite progressive when it comes to those social issues. But again, it comes down to it's, it's government doesn't have the solutions, Dave. Um, it's about individuals in society that ultimately improve a lot of us all working together. Yeah. yeah, you and I definitely don't agree on some of those social issues and government's role in them. But right now, I think the pressing issue in Australia is an extraordinary grab for power and a libertarian attitude is exactly what's needed. I wish there was a liberal attitude somewhere in the government, in the nation, uh, just allowing liberty uh, and, and individual freedoms. And I think we can get carried away with that, but we've certainly got carried away with authoritarianism. And oh, over the last two years, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's, it, it's happening everywhere. Um, the, the only state where we've seen um, at times some quite promising uh, pushback from government has been New South Wales, but it doesn't matter whether it's the Liberal Pem- Premier of South Australia, the WA Labor Premier, the Queensland Labor Premier, the Victorian Labor Premier, or our Prime Minister, who's supposedly... A Liberal Party guy, it doesn't matter. They're all just wave, either implementing this stuff or, in the case of Morrison, uh, waving it through, not mm. taking a stand. And that's one of my personal beefs with the PM in that when some of the terrible things have happened in the last two years, like um, police firing on protesters mm. in Victoria, he says nothing. Um, and I don't believe, I could be wrong, I don't believe he's anything, he said anything in the last... 24 hours, you, you quoted Susan McDonald before, but he hasn't said anything about um, what uh, Palaszczuk's about to try and implement, which is just not on. Yep. It, it, and it is a abdication of leadership or a failure of leadership for Morrison to not be leading the commentary and opinion on this. Uh, it, it's, it's such false virtue to think the federal government is in any way wanting to stay out of state businesses. Obviously, the states should be sovereign, but so much of that uh, distribution of power and decentralisation of of government was ceded a very long time ago through successive federal governments and and high court decisions. And so for Scott Morrison to think he's uh, nobly minding his own business right now is to leave us alone when he absolutely should be sticking his nose in and, and saying... Uh, you know, let's defend uh, Clive Palmer's and and now um, uh, flight centres challenges against the Western Australian border closures because those are violations of uh, the the right to free intercourse between the states, uh, as set out in the Constitution. Where is he? He's he's missing mm-hmm. an action. You made a good point, which I actually mentioned earlier today on um, on the radio with Vision Christian Radio with Neil Johnson, and and that is uh, liberty isn't a left or right issue. This isn't something that leftists are getting... This is something that so many uh, liberal, uh, as in right-wing liberal and conservatives and Christians are really getting wrong and this grab for this lurch towards authoritarianism. uh, It's no longer a left or right issue. We have to get this right uh, before we can move forward as a nation. Look, what's happened in the last two years has really exposed a whole crop of politicians uh, that we now have who seem to think that uh, they're just there, they're just there, to, they're just they're just numbers. They're there almost as um, foot soldiers to do as they're told mm. and just vote in Parliament and support this stuff. It's not on. Yeah, you know, I expected far more from people in the Liberal National Party. One of the reasons I left was my absolute dismay at uh, the way they weren't dealing with it. So I'm going to name some. 
people like Trevor Evans, the federal member for Brisbane, silent, yep. while businesses in his area uh, uh, are being hit hard. Uh, Julian Simmons, the member for Ryan, who's, who's silent. Look, the reason I'm naming them is they're in government. Senator James McGrath, who loves to bleat on about uh, the ABC and the way they carry on, but he's been in government for eight years and never actually done anything about the ABC. Look, I'm over these politicians who won't actually stand up and defend free speech right. and freedom. You know, both are, they're, 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 they're actually quite different. They're, they're obviously joined. You know, if you don't have free speech, you quickly don't have freedom. So for Senator McGrath, he should have, getting, he should have got an outcome by now after eight years in office in terms of getting the ABC to allow free speech and proper debate about the nation's issues as a national broadcaster. Similarly, those two um, federal MPs in the Brisbane metro area, where have they been in standing up uh, against this stuff? I mean, I, 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 you know, I can understand, I don't appreciate it, Labor members of Parliament, state and federal, being silent about what the Premier is about to do, but I can't abide the idea of, of those two MPs just running running, running, running dead on the whole issue. They should be organising protests. They should be organising the petitions. They should be organising a campaign of civil dis disobedience. They've got right. the position. What are they doing with it? They're just sort of sitting there in their offices, not actually working hard enough. Yeah. I've got a question here. I'll try and remember what I was just going to ask, but I want to ask Annette's question. Annette Page asks, what can we do to stop this power grab by Nanastasia? Never thought I would see the day when some people are going to be denied basic human rights. Well said, Annette. Uh, your thoughts, well, Campbell? Well, look, I've got a few ideas about that. Um, and uh, I suppose my, my first point is I'm loath to recommend to people they break the law uh, because, you know, we ultimately have to respect the law. So I think a whole heap of Anastasia Palaszczuk's rules and regulations are just ridiculous, facile, stupid, inconsistent, illogical, but I've tried as much as I can to, to obey those laws. Um, but I think this is getting a bit ridiculous now, and, and we do need to talk about why it is ridiculous. But I'd, I'd, put, I'd put one idea on the table for um, struggling small businesses that have put up with so much for so long from Palaszczuk and her, her, her government. And it's this, and I, I know many people won't do this, but I'd, I'd put this challenge on the table. Uh, Premier Palaszczuk wants you to control who can go into your business on the basis of their personal medical record. Well, it's not on, obviously. Well, what can mm -hmm. you do about it? Well, I'd say this. You know, you should come together and say that we won't have Anastasia Palaszczuk or any of her ministers or any of her, the MPs, Labor, uh, uh, LNP, Cat a party, I, I, I wouldn't. Anybody, look, any, any politician, any political party in the state parliament who hasn't spoken up and vigorously opposed these draconian and stupid laws, there you go. So, you know, number one target, of course, is the Premier. Don't have her into your coffee shop. Don't serve her at your restaurant. Tell her to get out of your pub. That's my challenge. I don't know if anyone will do it, but they should. And that's that's Absolutely. the way to get enough. That's the way to actually get the media to sit up and take notice. Uh, if if she's trying to destroy your business because taking maybe twenty percent of your customers away, if if if, if we understand the figures about who those are unvaccinated, or not taking yeah. away uh, them as potential customers, she's really trying to it's a dagger blow at your your livelihood. So why not? That'll make the point. Maybe she might get it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I think that would make a media spectacle. And uh, even if the uh, lying harlot media wouldn't cover it, uh, every independent outlet blogger and uh, journalist certainly certainly would give it uh, a, a very wide run. Um, now, Ross Matchett asked a question a few hours ago, so I can't put it on the screen, but he says, only one question to Mr. Newman, what would you do differently if you were still Premier? You understand oh. the... The obligations. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Look, I, I guess we, we probably need to get into the detail of, of, of rebutting what uh, the Premier is doing, but probably in a, and a good way to do that is to talk about what you know, the Liberal Democrats' policy is on this whole thing. It's, it's fairly straightforward. I actually believe in vaccination. I'm, I, I don't have to, but I'll share with you and your, your viewers that I am vaccinated. Let's get that out of the way. 
But our position is that anybody who wants to be vaccinated should have the opportunity to get access to a vaccine across the length and breadth of Queensland. But come uh, the 4th of December, which we nominated some time ago now, we yep. open up. And we open up and we get rid of the QR codes. We don't have any sort of restrictions about going interstate or whatever, or overseas for that matter. Uh, we don't seek to ask people about their status. Those who've been vaccinated, as far as the science says, will have the best protection. Those yep. who choose not to will be relying on their natural uh, immune systems in their bodies. And that's personal responsibility. If, we, if they get ill, and they might, well, we've got a great health system and it'll have to be, uh, it'll have to be ready to take people um, if, if they get ill. But that, that, that's pretty straightforward. It's about, it's about personal responsibility and personal decisions. You know, and if we start to talk about the lunacy of what the Premier is asking, it's like if I'm, well, as I've just said, I'm vaccinated. I'm very happy to go to a pub and have someone who's unvaccinated come in and sit next to me at the pub. Mm. What do I care about it? I've got the best possible protection. So why should that person be excluded? You know, it, it's 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 a farce. Another sort of subset of this as being a farce is today. I've been to a, to a, to a lunch with a couple of uh, friends, and uh, we sat in a restaurant, um, and other people were there as well. And as of the rules today, vaccinated and unvaccinated can be there. But magically, in only a few days' time on the 17th of November um, or thereafter, uh, those people who were in that restaurant wouldn't be permitted anymore. And yet overall the vaccine uh, sort of numbers are up across the state. Every day we see more people vaccinated. So what's this all about? I mean, how ludicrous is that? How arbitrary is that? Well, what it's about is this. They want to get the numbers higher because it's a political problem for them if people get sick. It's a political problem, obviously, if people die. And these, uh, this government has done such a bad job in the last uh, sort of uh, eight or nine months that they haven't got the numbers up as up to where they need to be, particularly in vulnerable, uh, some of the Aboriginal communities and the like. And so they're just really scrambling to try and force people to get the shot. That's what this is about. It is about... Coercion. It's about trying to put pressure on you and you and you and you. Go and get the shot, otherwise you'll be excluded from society. And it's wrong. Um, so I hope that that makes it crystal clear. This has yep. to be fought. It has to be resisted. It's just not on. And you know what? Prior to this pandemic, the idea that you would hand over your personal medical information to the person who's running a bar or a restaurant Exactly. Or a coffee shop or some venue that you would actually say, here's my international health certificate with my shots or oh, I, I haven't got AIDS or, I mean, come on. I mean, that's how outrageous it is. For those who might be watching who's still unconvinced, I really implore you to mm. really think this through. Think about what it means when, when we have this sort of coercion Yep. being mandated by government. This is not, as Debella said, this is not about whether vaccines are good or bad or there's risks or or it's not an anti-vaxxer thing. It is about uh, free uh, free thought, um, freedom of action, freedom of, you know, to live your life. That's what it's about. Um, again, if I'm vaccinated, I don't care two hoots, David, if you're vaccinated or not, I've got the best protection I can get and I just want to get on with my life. I don't care at all. Now, what about uh, early prevention, early treatment, or prevention and early treatment uh, if, if diagnosed? Uh, what's your thoughts on the railroading, uh, which is the language I'll put around it, the railroading of, of the TGA and, and um, what well, TGA is responsible for it, um, banning all other treatments, um, which a fully trained, eight years trained, fully qualified, licensed and accredited uh, doctor can agree to supervise with a patient. Uh, why should the government be able to uh, remove those early treatments and prevention um, pharmaceuticals? Well, I, I'm, I'm deeply suspicious of the TGA and some of the other bodies involved in this whole thing. And this might not make sense, but um, it's just another example of the way they conduct themselves. Yeah, 
like many people in the community, I sometimes get migraines. And the only pain relief that is effective for me is a product that I can't buy anymore over the counter. It's called Panadine. And thanks to their uh, stupid nanny state decision um, a few years ago, backed up by Greg Hunt, the federal health minister, you now have to go to a GP and get a prescription because they claim that it promoted, uh, you know, people that were codeine dependent. Now, you know, I, I was in my mid-50s when those ban came in. I've never abused codeine. Why should I be excluded uh, from getting this uh, medicine cheaply and effectively instead yep. of being put through a process to go and get a prescription, being given the, 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 the third degree by the doctor, but also when you go and buy it at the pharmacist, it's like it's like you're like you're sort of uh, doing something creepy. But meantime, meantime, I'm sure that if 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 I really wanted to go looking, I could buy illicit drugs in this city um, any any number of ways. So this is the stupidity of these organisations who think they know best, who think they know better than Australians, who are trying to dictate to people's physicians. Uh, about how they can go about treating people with drugs that have been approved and are safe uh, and have been around for quite a long time. I mean, the big debate about, say, um, uh, um, uh, hydrochloroquine, whatever it's called. I mean, yep. I, I took that when I was in the army. I was prescribed for, for malaria. As but don't you know that it's malaria. a horse? It's a horse yeah. worming tablet. It's only for yeah, horses. Well, it's well, it's it's just it's just hoo ha. So I I have I'm being I'm being as polite as I can about the TGA. Um, I'm Why? being uh, well. <laughs> I, think <laughs> well I, I don't know. There's probably a word I might use over a few beers. that's a bit stronger about how I feel about them and Greg Hunt for allowing them to 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 conduct themselves in the way they have, mm. and and indeed just going back to that that Panadine ban. It's just this country's got this topsy turvy wacko view where terribly bad things come up have on over here that cause real damage to society yep but then we conduct we we set up rules um uh which which inflict uh, an outcome on everybody just because a minority were doing the wrong thing or had a problem which yep. they needed help for so it, it's just it's it's crazy stuff i um I've got a couple of thoughts. I want to go back to one of the earlier questions, though, and um, and that is, uh, you know, what you would do differently if you were Premier. Now, uh, I would like talking to you because you, you can actually put yourself in the hot seat, the, the pressures it takes. And I understand, you know, uh, politics is a game of possibility, I've heard. You don't always get to do what you want and you maybe, um, you know, were you know, a little bit aggressive with what you wanted and, and less concerned about the possibilities. Um, and kudos to you for that. So I, I think you did, you know, wonderful jobs in reducing bloated public services, which was really badly marketed. But um, the the thing we see Gladys Berejiklian doing and, and the Liberal um, people or the people in the Liberal Party in South Australia in these state um, parties is is actually listening to and quoting on and relying uh, the invocation of the magic word science. Uh, would you be prepared to go against the science? Because Anastasia Palaszczuk is now saying that health advice has recommended these uh, draconian removals of freedom and, and punishments of, of people. She's saying that's the health advice for Queensland to go forward. If you got that kind of health advice, how would you navigate the politics of the conflict there with your convictions? Well, I'm pretty straightforward, and, and I do say it having been there. The, the health advice, if indeed that's it, and I don't really necessarily believe the Premier, it is rolled gold baloney. Let's see it for a start, okay? I mean, just going back, just putting aside just this specific issue here and now, I mean... You know, where have we been the last two years? I mean, sometimes you can have 50 people at a wedding or it might have been 20 or 30. But if it was a full moon and the, the wind was from the southwest and there was a high tide at Shorncliffe on the same moment, then maybe you could have 65 people. Why not yep. 62? 
well, what about 90? Yeah, like that's this is why this is baloney. It's just completely arbitrary. No, I can say to you quite firmly and categorically, uh, I would reject advice like this and I would uh, I would be implementing exactly what I've told you this afternoon if I was in the seat right now. We have to open up. And maybe for some people who are doubting um, what I'm saying and need, it might be helpful for some context. I, I was with a, a business colleague yesterday and I was talking to her and I said, how many people do you think have died in Australia in the age bracket from basically a baby, zero, to the age of 49? How many people do you think have died uh, from COVID uh, since this whole thing started? And she said, oh, about a 1,000. And I said, okay, right, I'll just park wow. that. I said, how many do you think have died in the age group? We're both roughly the same age bracket. And I asked her, how many do you think have died in the age group 50 to 59? And she said, oh, about 700. And I said, well, in the first answer where you said 1,000, so that's the age group 0 to 49, I'm told it's 61, 61 people. So mm -hmm. in the next age group, the one I'm in, uh, where she thought it was 700, 50 to 59, it's 85. This is a this is a disease that sadly kills the older people, the people in the, their 80s, late 70s, 80s, 90s, and those who have underlying health issues. Those are the facts. So, you know, an alternative scenario might have been to have very stringent controls to protect the elderly in the community because they needed it until such time as they were able to be vaccinated, which, of course, was meant to be the plan, that part of it. That, but, you know, this whole thing has been without proportion, without perspective, and that's the difference between the way I'd handle it and versus the way that most other state leaders have handled it. I mean, we saw Berejiklian showing that sort of approach that I've just mentioned, and also, um, reassuringly, Perite has... Well, he started off that way. He might be wavering a bit now. But we've got to get on with life. The, the, the collateral damage, the unintended consequences are just mounting up and they can't be swept under the carpet any longer. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. One of the thoughts I, I've had about this whole experiment in government um, that Australia and the world has, has undertaken recently, but, you know, speaking about our backyard, Australia... Uh, is the disposability of things we once called or our politicians and parties once called values and principles. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, at the same time, I don't know how so many voters didn't see this coming at the beginning of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was utterly opposed to all lockdown measures, all of them, um, because they just violate fundamental human rights. Um, and if there was a, a scope and, and possibility, then perhaps it was a very short-lived window only to, to get uh, some emergency measures which weren't violations of human rights into place. But what we see really is an extension of a principle that most Australians said nothing about back when Scott Morrison said uh, no, no, um, no vaccination for your kids, then you wouldn't be allowed into childcare or you wouldn't get family tax benefits. I think it, whatever the, the slogan was, they came up with it back when he was uh, health minister. Um, I mean, this is just the same thing then. There was coercive tactics to force parents to make medical decisions that they didn't want to make um, against, against their privacy and against their medical autonomy. And we now see exactly the same principles playing out, that it's okay for the government to coerce you into medical procedures that you don't want, specifically uh, vaccinations, with devastating um, impacts on, on people's income and livelihoods, most affecting um, the economically vulnerable. Um, what are your thoughts, I mean, yeah. first on, on those old, you know, before COVID, were you a supporter of the of the no no vaccine, no childcare, no childcare benefit? Look, uh, I need to be truthful about this and probably um, back then I would have been uh, a supporter of such measures, not that I played a particular role in it or was involved in any sort of political debate or argument, but probably if someone had asked me, I'd have said, oh, hmm, probably. 
but I just want to qualify that a bit as well. So I'm trying to be upfront about that. But yeah, please. Um, and, and when, when I, when I this is a get smarter. Yeah, well, this is a similar issue. Um, when I was premier, um, I inherited a situation where former premier Anna Bly had mandated that fluoride had to be put in the water around Queensland. Now, I'm a big supporter of fluoride in the water. I think that's good. But I also believe in devolution of authority and responsibility. And so we sort of overturned that and said local governments get to make that decision. So every community uh, has to decide whether they want to actually fluoridate the water. You think, think about it is the same thing as this vaccination issue. It's mass medication, compulsory medication, no mm -hmm. choice. It's in your drinking water. Um, someone's putting something into it. Uh, this is about putting a shot in your arm and saying you have to take that too. So similar thing. So from a, I just put that on the tables so that people know that that is a stance I took then. I yeah. probably would sway um, on the vaccine thing in terms of childcare because of some of the early childhood diseases, um, which are so infectious, but also because in my view, uh, and all the information I had, those vaccines were tried and tested, had a long track record. Um, they also uh, have a bit of a difference between this and the COVID vaccine. It's an important difference, David, and that those shots, you have the shot, uh, A, you get immunity, but B, you, uh, um, as I would understand it, you're then not a carrier, okay? Well, we now know that with a COVID shot, you can be vaccinated and you can still carry it. Okay, so it's a different thing. So, you know, there, there, there's a similar argument to mandate uh, COVID vaccines if the person who had the shot immediately could not carry. That's not the case. Therefore, it, it's a bit of a moot point and the argument drops away quite dramatically. So mm -hmm. I, I guess just rounding this all up, yes, I have to make that admission about back, back then about childcare. But you know what? If it was presented with me today, I'd probably be erring more towards uh, what I've just told you about my position on fluoride because uh, I guess back then I didn't know where this was going to go. And it, 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 if you now look at it now, it was it, you could could you could view it as the thin end of the wedge. I hope if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and look, this is, this is my point because I argued back then that um, the vaccination was being coerced and was not voluntary and people mm -hmm. argued with me and pushed back and and said no no it's completely optional it's completely voluntary um you know getting uh family tax benefit is a privilege it's, it's not a not a right and i'm like well hang on we're we're saying this is a necessary government service for people with lower mm -hmm. incomes across australia um and so what we're now going to do is discriminate and create two classes of people and those people that we've deemed as needing it anyway somehow don't deserve it. We're going to treat them as, as lesser. Essentially, we are going to um, financially punish them, um, and and that is coercive. That yeah, is it, it, look, you're right. It, it, it was, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think it, it just, it, it must have paved the way in the minds of the public health professionals about what they maybe thought they could get away with now. And, th and that's, by the way, that's why it's just so important now to say enough's enough. Um, right. And, yeah. and right from the beginning. Uh, I mean, I had friends who I respect, even, even um, you know, superiors, uh, Christian mentors, conservative, and just share all of my values. And then they're embracing this authoritarianism. I'm like, hey, you might feel comfortable trusting this government, but we are creating precedents and exceptions to principles, which is a contradiction of terms. Um, and we don't know what the government 10 years from now is going to be like in character and in integrity. Uh, mm. We are setting ourselves up and, and either our principles and our values are principles and values or, or they're just situational. Oh, well, look, can I then segue to, to another example of sure. what's going wrong in this country? Uh, and it's, it's under cover of COVID, and that is the way that um, we're now seeing quite insidious um, uh, legislation that allows um, uh, law enforcement to actually go into people's social media uh, mm. and change materials um, and do that not with the, uh, an authority of a judge but 
simply someone from the AAT, which which is a very low bar, um, and it will be misused. Uh, another thing that's going on is the government's implementing a digital ID system. Now, right. when I when when I was a young chap, um, I went on the first the first protest march I ever went on in my life was in 1987 here in Brisbane. It was against uh, the national identity scheme that the Hawke government wanted to bring in called the Australia Card. Mm-hmm. And I marched on that, uh, marched in, in, on the Brisbane streets against that, and it was because a guy called John Howard, who was the leader of the opposition, leader of the Liberal Party, was against it, posing it. You go forward 34 years, we've got a Liberal pri- <laughs> so-called Liberal Prime Minister, uh, Scott Morrison, and a Liberal coalition government, the National Party, who are going to introduce a digital ID system. And I say, why? And what what will it be required for? You know, show us your, you know, pulled over. If you showed a, sorry, if you pulled over by the police or whatever, will you have to show it? I mean, it, will you have to, will you have to carry a phone at all times? I mean, this stuff is being pushed through, rammed through under cover of COVID. And by yeah. the way, for those of us in small business or larger business, I mean, you know. Uh, Coalition governments just uh, introduce laws that you have to have a director ID number. Yes. Why? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the reason. They're saying this is to crack down on people who do this practice called phoenixing, where they basically run a company into you know, into into the red, incur debts, um, put it into liquidation, then go and do the whole thing again. Well, mm. why do I have to be ID'd, David? I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've been in business in aggregate for about 20 years, never done the wrong thing. Why do I have to be ID'd? Because there are crims out there who the authorities probably know who they are, who they should be going after them. That's where the resource should go. I mean, what are they going to do next? We're going to have to be microchipped like dogs behind the right ear to be a director of a company. You know, look, this stuff is just just not on. And that's why I left the Liberal National Party. Uh, That's why I was so scathing about people like Simmons um, uh, earlier on and McGrath. Um, They're just waving this stuff through. And yet you talked about values. You talked about principles. The Liberal Party is not meant to be about that stuff. Uh, I'd love to debate these guys. Hopefully during the election campaign, they'll have the guts to, but uh, they better watch out because I'll be taking to them on these issues. Uh, it's just not good enough. I don't know how they even dare to call themselves, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, a centre-right party. Exactly right. Um, I, I think the Liberal Party, I, I appreciate, as in gauge the importance of, not necessarily like, but I appreciate the concept of the broad tent uh, and being inclusive of, of people and ideas right of centre. Um, I think that that should not be stretched and abused to the point that we're including people left of centre, uh, and there are very many of them uh, that are, you know, pulling levers of power and influence in the Liberal Party. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, certainly an interesting thing. I've got a couple of questions still. One of them is I have this theory uh, that cabinet positions. Um, ministries and assistant ministries actually require, possibly appropriately require some party discipline and not stepping out of line, not criticising the government. Um, I think there is therefore a conflict of interest for people in the Senate, even party members in the Senate, to have cabinet positions, ministries, shadow ministries or or assistants, um, career possibilities. I guess I'm after your thoughts on that, uh, do you think senators should refuse um, career promotion? Um, should the Senate be the ultimate that they can reach in that? Um, yeah, look, I'm... If you were offered a really juicy portfolio um, as a crossbench senator, um, would you uh, would you feel that would compromise your ability to perform the role of the Senate, checks and balances, a House of Review? Well, if, if I am elected as a, a, a senator for Queensland for the Liberal Democrats, 
um, and I'm in that crossbench, uh, absolutely the scenario you've painted would, would compromise me because of that cabinet solidarity issue. So I couldn't possibly um, be part of that. And, you know, I, I want to hold government to account. I mean, I want to, if I'm there, ensure that um, these sorts of freedom-limiting pieces of legislation are uh, debated properly and curtailed or downright stopped. Uh, I want to uh, ensure that we try and uh, see better expenditure of, of the taxpayers' funds and, and uh, not just wade through the, the profligate expenditure we're seeing now. But one particular one I think that's important is when uh, they have the Senate Estimates Committee process and uh, the senators question uh, both the politicians, the ministers, and also uh, senior public servants that putting the blowtorch on those individuals to make sure they're performing. Because, frankly, I have a view they're not performing. I think they waste our money. I think the breathtaking incompetence that we see in so many ways, for example, robo-debt, you know, um, Stuart Robert down on the Gold Coast should have walked the plank over that one as a minister. Uh, but yes. he, was he was protected by the Prime Minister and many, uh, many people of limited means were terribly scarred by that experience of being accused of having uh, done the wrong thing and have been told that they had debts that they had to pay. So, you know, it's stuff like that. That's why I want to be there and that's, in, you know, to do that job, To um, it, it would be incompatible uh, with those objectives to, to be in a ministry. We have uh, one question here from Nick. He says... Uh, Hey, Palatok, can you please ask Campbell if politicians are mandated to take COVID-19 injections? Gee, that's a really good question. And I must confess, I'm not uh, across the various jurisdictions and what's going on, but I can tell you about what happened in Victoria. So yeah. down there, my colleagues, Tim Quilty uh, and David Limbrick from the Liberal Democrats uh, were excluded from Parliament, the State Parliament of Victoria, because they refused... To I don't reveal their vaccine status. So I don't know how they, the governor didn't step in in that situation. I'm thinking constitutional emergency. That is exactly what the governor is for. It, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, representatives excluded from the house of the people. Yeah, well, I think the way that one happened is is um, the parliament itself did it. So parliament is a self governing body. They set the rules, the rules of procedure, the, when they sit, when they rise, when they adjourn, all those sort of things. They, they, they're masters of their own destiny. What I understand uh, ha happened was that they actually literally had a vote and the Liberal Party voted with the Labor Party to push this through. Well, not You're push it through, just a, it was just a, you know, it was just a, a slam dunk and yep. said, if you don't uh, sort of show to the the, uh, the staff of the clerk of the parliament that you've been vaccinated, you'll be excluded. And so Limbrick and uh, Quilty were able to attend parliament by video link, but the trouble was they couldn't vote. Under the rules through the pandemic, they could attend by video, but they actually had to be present to vote. So anyway, that that that's an example of where, the, again, the wrong things happen. But, but I can understand, by the way, for... for the Joe citizen in the community, the idea that you're being coerced to uh, get vaccinated so you can go to your local pub on a Saturday afternoon, mm. uh, I guess you'd probably want to see the politicians treated the same way if they were going to um, turn up to Parliament or do their job. So, yeah, what, yeah it's got... Look, yeah, we were told by the Prime Minister a long time ago that we're all in this together. Again, more roll gold baloney, uh, but, uh, you know, yep. we can dream, can't we? Yeah. Um, I'm just having a look at... Uh, so Anne's asked this a second time. I'll just see what your thoughts are on this. Can uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk have them bash our door down and jab us? Can they actually roll out the military or the police and, and start uh, rounding them up to force the jab? Or um, can we have them for trespassing and assault? <laughs> uh, no, a, a not, libertarian, not a libertarian's nightmare, yeah. Campbell. <laughs> No, not as I would under, uh, understand it, but, you know, they don't need to do that, do they? They just sort of make your life unbearable or, you know, joyless. You know, if you can't go to the, 
the restaurant, if you can't go to the art gallery or the museum or the movie theatre or, um, you know, if you, the only place you can go is the darn supermarket, um, you know, um, you, you, you're under a lot of pressure, aren't you? If you can't yeah. go to the, it might be, oh, I haven't looked at the detail of this, uh, but if you can't go to, say, your kid's um, end of year sort of um, uh, the speech night at, at, the, at the high school or the primary school. Yeah. Now, that's that's just awful. But, you know, that's pressure, isn't it? That's coercion. Uh, at least half the people I know who've had the jab had it unwillingly and reluctantly um, with, as I said at the beginning, family uh, treating each other despicably, you know, grandparents not allowed to see grandchildren, um, you know, not allowed across borders and, and various um, other other things. This is not, uh, and I think Albanese or somebody was crowing about 80% vaccination rate and, and, you know, well done. It's like, how can anybody say well done when a significant portion of everybody that has had it has had it reluctantly and uh, wouldn't have had it if they felt they'd had a choice? But, you know, to try and earn their freedoms back. I mean, what? Yeah, well, that's, well, it's, well, a point on this freedom thing, David, I mean, you, you know, the freedoms are ours. You know, they were snatched away from us by government at federal and state level. They were snatched away. They were taken away. Uh, they're not governments to, to, to sort of hand out like lollies to, 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 to good children. Mm. We want them back. We want them That's back exactly now. The, the and and, we, and we, we have to make that very, very clear. So, you know, that's that's where I'm coming from. Um, yeah. um, look, I, I, I just ask people, you know, if, if they're watching this and they're still unconvinced, really please think long and hard about this. Don't, don't get sucked in by sort of this emotional blackmail that's been occurring as well. The, the, that's part of the coercion. It's like... You know, um, again, just the, the facts of the matter are again that, yeah, and this is what, as I as I would believe them, you know, that that vaccine vaccination um, poses some risks, but it it offers the best protection at the moment, and maybe there are some treatments out there. Certainly, around the corner, there are sounding like there are some some really effective treatments, but vaccination at the moment is probably the best best option, but. What do you care? Like, if you're a person who's vaccinated and but worried about people coming to the kids' school or unvaccinated, why do you care? Yep. What, what do you care? You've been vaccinated. It just doesn't make sense. It blows me away. So think long and hard. There's no, there's no need to treat someone badly because they decided not to have it. We could all have a view yeah. about about why they didn't, and you know, some people might be judgy. Well, that's one thing. But to treat people badly, to exclude them, to to marginalise them, to put pressure on them, to 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 insult them, that's not on. That's yeah. un-Australian. That is un-Australian. It's yeah, it it really is, and at least un-Australian. It's un-Christian. It's it's just un-Christian. Yeah. Incredibly um, buying into this this toxic division, um, which is just another one of the divisions caused by one of the harms caused by um, government policy. Look, let's move to something perhaps a little lighter, uh, a gratuitous soapbox moment for you. Um, I think the best outcome in the impending federal election, the imminent um, federal election, is that perhaps the Liberal government gets returned uh, and they have a nearly unmanageable, um, intractable, mired Senate crossbench uh, with a whole lot of people like yourself uh, people right of centre, pro-freedom uh, and, and liberty, anti-authoritarians who simply won't cooperate. Pro-family. Say again? Pro-family. Pro-family. Thank you. I mean, that kind of crossbench, I think, is the best hope for Australian democracy and Australian citizens and, and residents. Uh, I think one of the best uh, terms of parliament that we could see before the next federal election would be for a significantly reduced amount of legislation because it's just so hard to get anything but the best legislation approved. Um, okay. Now, if, if we're looking at having a strong crossbench right of centre, um, there are a number of options 
um, to go for. There's uh, One Nation, there's the Australia One Party, there's the Liberal Democrats, um, there's uh, Clive Palmer's um, party, uh, the name United Australia Party. Um, I, I guess we can talk about uh, Queensland specifically, but even across the various states voting for senators in the federal parliament at the uh, imminent federal election, um, feel free to self-promote and, and just we'll trust you to be as honest and objective as you can while while talking about uh, why you think the Liberal Democrats should be in that mix and, and how you, you would probably rate the others. Mm, sure. Well, look, I, I, I have a great deal of sympathy for what you're saying uh, about the nature of the parliament. So, yeah, I, I would prefer to see um, a Morrison government or a Liberal coalition government with the Nats um, in the lower house, but uh, a, a Senate that had um, people on the crossbench who were um, prepared to take a stand uh, on these fiscal issues from a more centre-right perspective. So I think that would make a better government. Uh, I think it would really hold uh, perhaps the Liberal Party back from being as left-wing as they have been in the last few years. Um, in terms of the choices then for people, you've outlined the parties that are out there. Uh, why the Liberal Democrats? Well, they've been around for 20 years. They are a party of you know, significant principle. Um, it is that libertarian thing. If you believe in the things I was talking about earlier on, which is, you know, that, that you get to live your life um, as you sit, see fit, um, that hard work, self-reliance can be rewarded, that um, personal responsibility is applauded and recognised, uh, that um, we recognise that small business is, is the engine room of employment and, and really a great economy. Um, those, if, if, you, if you believe in those sorts of things, if, that, that, uh, if that's really what turns you on, then Liberal Democrats really are a party for you um, and we'd appreciate your support. Um, particularly, though, I've also add for Queenslanders, um, we're very firm that this headlong rush towards so-called net zero is incredibly uh, worrying for Queensland's future prosperity. Uh, I once got in trouble a bit on ABC Radio because I dared to say that we're in the coal business in Queensland. Well, we are. Uh, the, the fuel in uh, police cars, uh, the great health system that we have, uh, the fact that an ambulance comes when you call it, you know, that would be massively curtailed uh, if we couldn't fund it through coal royalties and through payroll tax from people who work in the coal sector. So the idea that a federal Liberal government would start to quite recklessly go down a path of adopting a slogan is dangerous. And again, those MPs I called out earlier on should hold, uh, hang their heads in shame. So the Liberal Democrats are going to stand up for the resources sector, particularly the coal and gas sectors in Queensland. We know how important it is. We know how important it is for overseas countries, developing countries that need those resources so they can actually achieve a standard of living like us. Um, yes, we believe in sustainability. Right outside the window behind me now, there are solar panels on the roof. I'm a big one for sustainability. I have been had solar panels since 07. But um, you know, we we we, we will, we've got we've we've got to be more sustainable ultimately. But we can't do it in a way that trashes the economy, destroys livelihoods and communities. And that's the problem with what both the Labor Party and the coalition are now doing. So the the the, the Liberal Democrats will be standing up for Queensland, particularly on that issue. Pro-nuclear? Pro-nuclear. Um, we've uh, got an energy policy. If you go to the Lib Dems uh, website, uh, you can see our full energy policy. Basically, we're, we're saying, look, stop interfering in the marketplace government. Let um, the, uh, the various forms of energy, wind, solar, hydro, coal, gas, and nuclear be there. And the private sector, if they, can, if they want to implement some sort of power generation source <clears throat> from one of those energy sources, they're free to do that. I mean, yep. often people will say, um, and I enjoy it when, when particularly left-wingers say it, they go, oh, but, 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 but nuclear power is uneconomic. 
that's their stunt these days. I mean, I don't think they 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 get as far as they used to with saying how dangerous it, it is because it's not. But yeah. they say it's uneconomic. Well, I've got a very simple answer. In Australia, there's a ban in legislation on nuclear power. We're just saying, take away the ban. Take yeah, yeah, the, fantastic. Let the private sector have a go. And small modular reactors um, <clears throat> are probably the way to go in the future. Very safe. Yes, agreed. Can be deployed where you need the power, reducing yep. energy losses in the transmission grid and providing that important backup power to the renewables that we're going to have. And, and you know, again, I love renewables. I've got them here. I'm pretty yep. much energy self-sufficient at my place these days. And uh, what do you think about reducing Australians to 14 grams of meat a day? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be joking. I've got, if people go to my social media, you can see a little cheeky bit of video I did prior to the Prime Minister going to Glasgow. And, yeah. you know, like, look, th this is the problem. Like, my answer to those people is bugger off. Yeah, you know, yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying it on your show, David. Uh, no, no, that, that's perfectly articulate. Again, this is the libertarian thing. We're pushing back against the people who say we can't get Panadine over the counter in the, in the chemist yep. or, the, or the supermarket. We're pushing back against the people who, who are telling us that we've got to curtail you know, our consumption of electricity. We're, we're pushing back on people who are saying we've got to go and buy an electric car. We're pushing back on people who are telling us what we can eat and what we can't eat. Yep, yep. Um, now, on Libertarian, uh, where, where we will come to blows perhaps um, is uh, the issue of abortion, which Tanya Plibersek firmly settled in the federal um, sphere at the, at the last election. Uh, so I understand you, you broadly feel people should make their own decisions. Would you support a policy position or, or legislative move to stop compelling me to fund other people's uh, abortions at, at the violation of my conscience? Um, well, probably just to go back a step first um, before I answer the specifics you've asked, specific, specific question you've asked, um, yeah, I've been talking about the libertarian philosophy. Um, I think a really important point is in the, in the case of abortion, there's actually two human beings involved. And one of them is the adult and, you know, the woman's the adult and, and can speak and make the case. The unborn child doesn't have a representative. And so what's disturbed me is while I support, um, you know, early-term abortion, the idea of late-term abortion and, indeed, the legislation that was passed in Queensland in the last few years is anathema to me, you know, and, and it's anathema because uh, those infants being aborted are only a few weeks younger than premature children that we're then desperately trying to save. Uh, how crazy yeah. is the world? On one hand, <clears throat> we're aborting children, babies, and over here, we're only a few weeks later, we're, we're desperately trying to save them and we can save them. So late-term abortion, as provided for now in Queensland, I think is 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 just unacceptable to me anyway. And I, I'd what never... Do you think about uh, some of the Texas bans on um, heartbeat detection? If you can detect a heartbeat, um, you, you're not allowed well, to... Well, you can detect a heartbeat really early in the piece, but I, I guess this becomes a really valued judgment and, and, and has... Has to be finessed. Or is this not something that science can speak very clearly and informatively on? So anyway, look, I guess in summary, late-term abortion is something I find repellent, but early, um, uh, a, a, a very early abortion, well, I can understand there would be circumstances, and in that case, um, you know, I, I support a woman in, that, in those instances having making her her own decision. Oh, by the way. How often have we heard over the years in the abortion debate about you know, my body, my right to choose, yep. particularly from the left, but now of course. it's your body, but we're going to put a, a needle in it and give you a, a vaccine. I'll move on. So going back to your question, look, yeah, I, 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 look I, I, think I, I think I support um, the public health system still paying, paying for the procedure, I've got to say. And there are a lot of other examples um, 
I'm disappointed. I expected a libertarian well, answer. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I guess that the trouble with the health system is that there's all sorts of other uh, procedures the system uh, pays for that you could probably question as well if, if you want to have a real debate about. I mean, I mean, I I don't know if they're still doing it, but I, I have it on good authority. Only in the last few years, the the defence force were paying through their you know, medical support to uh, men and women of the ADF. They're paying for cosmetic surgery. Yeah. And I I sort of really like is, is that really what the, if that's not what you well mean. perhaps even that yeah so you know mm. it, it, it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult um, difficult issue in a minefield yep yep awesome well i won't push you too much on that that wasn't the the purpose of the interview no it's um, fine but, uh, always have to answer question. Any, but any, any question internet for some reason uh, i'm back now we just uh, lost it all for a second uh i i do want to implore that uh, we not be compelled in a, in a libertarian rationale that we not be compelled to fund something that violates our conscience. Um, so, and I'll just, just, you can take that as a comment. No worries. <laughs> uh, so. uh, Campbell, thanks for uh, speaking out against the, uh, the tyranny of authoritarianism, the overreach of, of state governments, uh, the apartheid and segregation of, of citizens, violation of human rights to privacy and, and medical autonomy. Uh, it's much appreciated. And um, if uh, there's any way we can help your campaign, free to uh, feel free to give us a, a yell because um, we'd love to, love to see a strong um, libertarian right of centre conservative crossbench to uh, hold um, the, the current federal government and the next uh, federal government, whatever colour it may be, uh, we, we need a strong Senate crossbench to make sure legislation goes slow and and there's they're held to account and, and reviewed properly. We don't need we don't need heaps more laws in this country, David. We've got plenty of them. I used to say that, by the way, when I was Lord Mayor of Brisbane and indeed Premier of the state. But uh, thank you for having me today. And I just say to people, you know, if they do if they have found it interesting what I've had to say and they want to see more about my views on issues, please follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, and uh, we're always happy to take comments and messages from people and always happy if you think I've got it wrong to hear, to hear that. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well said. And um, we'll just play the outro and I'll end the broadcast and, and then I'll say uh, goodbye to you privately. And, but thanks, everyone, for watching Pillow Talk this afternoon. Um, and we'll uh, try and package this up and put it on the website so you can share it. Um, Liberal Democrats are a viable option, in my opinion, for the Senate uh, in the next federal election. Um, I look forward to talking more about that coming up. If uh, you'd like to see any of the other uh, parties, uh, minor parties um, on this show, then uh, get in touch with them. Let them know that there's an open invitation uh, and we'd love to uh, give them a soapbox as well to uh, show their wares. But that's it for this time. Head to goodsource.news, uh, become a supporter, subscribe to the email newsletter, and uh, thanks to the supporters for keeping this happening. Good night, everyone. It's time for us to do something. Na, 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 na.